welcome to Manufacturing Tech Australia with Shane Williams and Paul Mason, where they share the latest manufacturing and tech news and explore innovative solutions to help you improve your business. G'day and welcome to day three of AMW. This morning, Paul and I are here at Electronex, the Assembly and Design Expo for Electronics. Looking forward to seeing what's going on in the Australian design scene, particularly around 3D printing of PCBs, collaboration between the different electronics vendors, and I'm genuinely curious to find out what some of the supply chain issues have had around in electronics. So stay tuned, we'll be in here for a little while, and then we'll duck back next door and see if we can cover off what's going on in the AMW Australia stands. Perfect, let's go check it out. We're here with Ray from Successful Endeavours. Thanks for joining us, Ray. Thanks, Paul. So what have we got going on here at the booth today? So we're at Electronex, that's Australia's Electronics Manufacturing Trade Show. So we're celebrating the fact that we still make stuff here. Our space is electronics design embedded software. So our focus is on designing products in Australia that you can then make in Australia and make a profit from doing that. Yeah, absolutely. And what sort of products have we got on display here? Yeah, high voltage power distribution, power factor mm -hmm. correction controllers, high voltage distribution switch management, We've got some water metering, stuff that runs for 15 years off batteries, because the most expensive thing about installing a water metering device is the electrician. So you can actually get the cost down. So one of the presentations I'm doing here is about total cost of ownership of a product. What a lot of people don't consider is that there are other factors in the buying choice about whether you buy something this way or that way. If you look at the total cost of ownership, sometimes you realize that there are better business models than just making the PCB really cheap. You've got to make the total cost of the process cheap. People who are regularly forgotten in the design process is the end user, the manufacturer, the installer and service technician. And if you've got to upgrade a product in the field, it's a really expensive exercise if you've got 100,000 of them out there and you've got to upgrade them individually by visiting each site. So over-the-air firmware upgrades, over-the-air configuration upgrades. The likelihood a plumber tells us the meter is 10 litres per tick or 100 litres per tick and gets that right on for every meter, that's zero. Yeah, so right. you actually got to be able to say, okay, this one's 100 litres, this one's 10 litres. And so that management piece is part of it. So we've also got a pretty exciting product. So the one with the IND.T on there, that's world-class technology. That's not been done before in the history of the world. So what the IND technology does is it uses the GPS satellites and their atomic clocks to synchronize sampling across the network. And then by no seeing the time signature of events, they can backtrack using the speed of electron energy through cables and work out the exact location in the grid a piece of equipment is starting to fail. Yeah. Traditional solution is one sensor per device you're monitoring in the grid. This lets you put one sensor every five kilometers and monitor everything in the grid. Yeah, great. So we were talking before offline about supply chain and how there actually was some advantages of the COVID lockdowns and all the issues we had across the industry with supply chain. Can you give us a bit of an example of what yeah. some of the advantages are after on the supply chain side? Yeah, the Australian industry as a whole has a bit of a reputation for buying on price and not being very loyal to its suppliers. What COVID has taught us is that your suppliers are absolutely critical to your success. And so now people aren't just looking at price, they're also looking at reliability. They're looking at whether your supply partner is actually acting like a partner. If they know there's gonna be a problem for you in two months time, do they come to you now and say, look, this is happening. We wanna work with you to make sure that you actually don't fall in a hole or do you place your order and then they go, ah, oh, sorry. So we're really seeing that shift from we're just transactional to we're actually partnering together to try and make this work. 
Fantastic. So I guess, what tips have you got there on the collaboration side? What can we do in the industry to, to beef it up and build that ecosystem? Yeah, so Australia ranks last in the world for business-to-business collaboration. So it used to be country 181. Apparently it's country 186 now. So they've added five more countries, but we're still last. We're also last in the world for academia to industry engagement. Not academia's fault entirely. Government funding policy is part of the problem. They're actually pushed by their funding model away from collaboration. So the first thing I would say is understand that we suck at this. So it's going to be hard to change our behavior. But the way I look at it is to get something to market, I don't just need my business to be busy. I've got a whole ecosystem around me. So cable suppliers, connector suppliers, people who build looms, people who load circuit boards, uh, people who supply components, people who program things, people provide, like Redback here provide test pins for test jigs. How do I build a test jig? I'm not gonna design my own pin. I'm gonna get one that works. So I need all of these people to be on my team, not just my business busy, my building busy, whole bunch of other buildings busy. Yep. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yep. Awesome. Thanks for your time today, Ray. All right. Great fun at the show. Yep. Cheers. You too. Thank you. So we're here at Electronex. I'm here with Dan from uh, Nano Dimension. Good to meet you, bud. You too. Thank you. I appreciate your time. Yeah, Yeah, likewise. So tell us a little bit about what you guys do. Yeah, so um, Nano Dimensions, one of our products is the Dragonfly, which 3D prints uh, circuit boards. Obviously gives you in-house capability, protecting your IP, and also doing really unique shapes, sizes, and multiple layers. So typically, what sort of use cases have you seen come through? One of our customers, the UTS in Sydney, they're an avid user for our machine when it comes to RF antenna applications. So yeah, they've done a lot of case studies and a lot of papers and really pushing the boundaries of what the printer can do. And you mentioned before the ability to print onshore and I guess the protection of your IP. I imagine that's probably a pretty big selling point at the moment. Oh, it definitely is because there's a lot of talk of bringing everything back in Australia and also not sharing files, Gerber files offshore. And it's ideal for us, a lot of defence companies and especially IP is a big issue when it comes to medical customers or OEMs in Australia because things get copied and it's just, yeah, it's not the right thing to do. So this gives you the capability especially time to market, you know, that high mix, low volume, it's a good fit for our market here. Yeah, and so I imagine there's a couple of use cases in a sort of prototyping R&D perspective, but is this the sort of product you would use for a short run bespoke production? Yeah, you could. It's obviously not targeted for high volume, but when it comes to 10, 20, 50 pieces, maybe 100, depending on the build plate, how many you can fit, it's ideal. And the good thing is the revision changes, because so many times, a board gets designed, there's revision changes required. You can just change the file, upload it, print, and off it goes. In terms of environmental waste, there's not much wastage, so you don't need special venting or ducting to operate this machine. We've got one running in our office in Sydney, and it's very little to low maintenance, probably an hour or two a week. So your circuit board comes out, obviously the next step in that process is gonna be putting components on the board. Yes. Have you got capability around that, and how does that work? Yeah, we do. Some customers traditionally hand solder parts onto the board, but we've now acquired a company called Asemtech out of Switzerland that gives you the capability of not only pick and placing the parts, but solder, jetting, ink, glue, and it's an all-in-one. It's all-in-one head, ideal for high mix, low volume. It's expandable, so if production ever grows within a client, they can add on another machine in line. And yeah, it's a sweet little machine that goes well with our Dragonfly. So at the show and 
current shows at Rapid and overseas, we're offering this now as a bundle. And they stack against each other and just straight through, or are you loading stuff between the machines? Yeah, at the moment it's not a proper um, conveyor belt, but yes, it's either by hand or there is a conveyor belt that can line up the machine straight into the Semtech. Alright, and then once it comes out of there, obviously you've got finishing, what do you do there? Yeah, you can use a reflow oven or a vapour phase. Our, with our boards, the technology, it's low temp solder and the reflow oven has to be dropped a bit to 160 to 180 degrees. So that's the only limitations with this technology with the Dragonfly. Yeah. And then typically you've got your design, you stick it in the machine, you go print out through the conveyor into this thing and yes. out the end. What's the end-to-end -end time for one process? Yeah, look, it can range anywhere between 10 hours to 80, 90 hours, depending on the complexity of the board. But yeah, at least it gives you that peace of mind that it's all in-house, I could control it, and you can change design. It's endless with that machine. And right? you could effectively run a shift overnight pumping stuff out, right? Yeah, you can, yeah, because it's all self-programmable, independent. So low maintenance, low waste, sovereign capability, and the ability to do rapid prototyping, mate. Yes. I think you've nailed all the different bits <laughs> oh, and no, pieces. No, yeah. It's been great to meet you. Thanks you for too, your time. Shane. Thank you so much. Hi Tegan, tell us a little bit about SMCBA and what you guys do. Yeah, absolutely. SMCBA mostly works within IPC training and certification and IPC publication sales. We've been working in collaboration with Electronex for years now and we hold our conference at the same time where we have expert speakers come in. It's a very exciting time. We like to collaborate with a lot of different companies because SMCBA is a non-for-profit association so we work with other companies all across Australia and New Zealand. It's good to be able to be a part of something that brings together the electronic community a little bit better. That's great. So I guess what are some of the cool things that you're seeing this year at the show? Is there anything new that you're... that's oh, really exciting? Definitely. Last year we held the Electronex in Sydney and it was quite a bit small and it's probably about half the size. So. Honestly, it's just excellent to see almost double the amount of companies and a lot of small companies as well um, that probably only have two or three staff being able to be a part of this as well, get a little bit more recognition, hopefully get to grow a little bit more. That's really exciting. Like our soldering competition, we collaborated with a company named Zentronics okay. run by Scott Williams. and He is an excellent designer and it's so exciting to be able to get a little bit more recognition for companies like his. That's great, yeah, the collaboration side is really important, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And what about the conference? You know, you guys run a really good conference with yeah. dedicated information for designers about how to improve different things of their game. Absolutely. Last year, because of COVID, we had to have a lot of our conferences online, whereas this year we've managed to have quite a few travellers from across the globe to come in to do presentations on things like SMT processes, the supply chain, defence, we've got everything covered. It's exciting to have experts in their fields come in and get to talk to these people. Yeah, awesome. it's really cool. That's great. Thanks so yeah. much, Tegan. No problem. Thanks for talking to us. Cheers. Thank you. So Beverly, thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Tech Australia. My pleasure. Thanks so much for visiting our stand. So Beverly here is the marketing manager from SEMA, the Southeast Melbourne Manufacturers Alliance. Really keen to find out a little bit more about what you do and how you help your members. Thank you. It's a really great opportunity to have a chat with you and promote our organisation because we have found that the people who know about us love us, but the people who don't know about us don't know anything about you know, where we're based, what our activities are, what we represent. And so we're here at Manufacturing Week to change that. But in summary, SEMA is an advocacy body that is formed of manufacturers and we advocate to all levels of government for manufacturers' interests. So SEMA also represents on a number of boards and committees, 
and panels, taking our members' queries and concerns to government and trying to introduce legislation and policy that is in their interests and ultimately to boost manufacturing in our region, Australia in general, but South East Melbourne is our primary regional focus and we find that we're able to really respond to our members' needs because the people in South East Melbourne have different concerns to people maybe in Geelong or North Melbourne or interstate. Just for the sake of clarity, when I initially heard South East Melbourne, I'm thinking, oh, okay, we're talking about St Kilda. I imagine the footprint's a little bit bigger than that. So what does South East Melbourne include? That it's anything like east of the CBD. To be honest, our members do have a really large range where they're located. So we have members up in the Yarra Valley going all the way down to the Bayswater Business Precinct. There's a hub of manufacturers there that's been there for a long time, all the way down through to the major hub in Greater Dandenong and Mornington Peninsula as well. There's this whole corridor that imagine going down the whole side of the East Link where manufacturers are located and it's the largest manufacturing output region in Australia. So we've overtaken New South Wales and that east, southeastern region that we represent is now the largest in Australia. And how long have you been around? This is our 20th year this year, so we're really excited to be celebrating it. We were formed from a group of 12 manufacturers who were all friends and colleagues in Dandenong South. And they got together because basically they were upset about the amount of work that was going offshore. They were trying to get jobs, like lodge their tenders, and basically the government was saying we don't have the local capability to make these things in Australia and these manufacturers are putting their hands up going we have the capability between us between our group we know we can actually fulfill these projects so SEMA started 20 years ago from 12 manufacturers most of them now like our founding members are still around and we're actually honoring them at our gala event that's coming up on Thursday the 8th of June at Park Royal Monash. So what are some of the services you put together? Basically uh, our primary service is providing advocacy opportunities so we will amplify our members message and take that to all levels of government. We have councils that are part of our members that we work very closely with but we also work very closely with the state and federal governments as well to make our members concerns heard. In fact, SEMA recently um, had a representation by our president, Peter Angelico. He went to the parliamentary inquiry on migration to represent SEMA and put forward our members' views on bringing in skilled workers from overseas. And I imagine being a member also would open up opportunities for some B2B interaction? Absolutely. So we really pride ourselves on fostering collaboration between our members. We've had a lot of successful cases where we've been able to directly introduce members who are looking to do certain bodies of work or they're trying to increase their capability offering. Maybe they're trying to bid for a large project and they're saying, oh, do you know someone in the member base who might have this certain capability? So we can make direct introductions and connect you or sometimes it's just flourished and happened organically at our events. So we host a number of events throughout the year and they're really amazing opportunities to connect with your peers. They can be in different industries. We have members who are in pharmaceuticals, food and beverage, metal fabrication, we have a lot in metal fabrication, members in defence, and you can connect with any type of business or service provider and get your needs met in our organisation. Awesome, mate. Thanks for your time. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. No worries. See you later. Erica, thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Tech Australia. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. So Erica here is from Integra Systems and perhaps you could tell us a little bit about what you guys do. Integra Systems is a product development and manufacturing operation centred around sheet metal products. So we have expertise in industrial product engineering and we develop products anything from retail 
display and experience centres through to really high spec defence products. We've also developed our own range of products which we've found have been innovations that our design centre has created and that's our Integra Transform range. Yeah, it sounds like obviously you've got a fairly big footprint then across the industry. Perhaps you could talk to us a little bit about what you're seeing in terms of problems and opportunities. So within Australia we start to see a big appetite for Australian made. So we're seeing a really strong movement towards onshoring which is a massive opportunity for us. We're a safe country to manufacture in, so we're starting to see global supply chains actually onshoring their services. We're also seeing a lot of growth in the smart automation space. The challenge is going to be growing quickly enough to meet that demand, being able to build that competency up and finding the people. But we've been able to tap into the Victorian Government's Digital Jobs Program and a number of other initiatives but particularly with digital jobs, we've been able to upskill up our people. It's all masters and postgraduate level of education. And that's been able to provide us with a leading edge in terms of how we integrate smarter processes into our manufacturing. And we hope other manufacturers will be able to do the same through digitisation and, and industry 4.0 practices. So Australia is positioned beautifully for growth and upscaling more manufacturing opportunities. Certainly hearing a lot of that around the conference about this opportunity for reshoring and bringing manufacturing back and some of the challenges as you say around finding humans and the need to skill them up. Yep. Obviously you've made use of the digital jobs program yeah. and seen some benefits of that. Why do you think others should jump on board? So when you recruit an engineer or you recruit somebody even if they're experienced in manufacturing already Often they are trained in regular disciplines that are fairly generic and then they start to learn on the job. So they learn specific skill sets within their organisation. One thing that we know is moving really quickly is the Industry 4.0 practices. And that's not yet fully integrated into the university or the TAFE system. They're working on it, so as an industry advisor, I'm also working with the universities and TAFEs on building in a lot of that industry 4.0 knowledge. But the Digital Jobs Program specifically targeted 12-week programs that help boost the skills over and above what they've already learned. And it's all specifically related to the digital side of things. So AI, digital marketing, our guys have done the, the AI program and the Agile project management program, which is all part of the digitisation journey for us. Uh, and other manufacturers, I reckon, need to tap into that as well in order to just give them a little bit of a boost in that space. It seems to me that there's a massive opportunity here to not just rely on government to provide solutions, but for industry to lean in and really collaborate and bring this forward. Sounds like that's exactly what you're doing. Absolutely. And it's even working. We're learning from other manufacturers as well. Collaboration's a really big part of what we do. So not only do we collaborate on design and our manufacturing processes, so we have a manufacturing ecosystem that we tap into. We've also got a bunch of other manufacturers that come together and it's a sort of a values-driven relationship and we collaborate on important processes like the digital side of things. So we've just had a recent focus group with the Manufacturing Excellence Consortium in Victoria. It's a small group of companies and we share absolutely everything and we just had a whole session on 
how we all integrate Industry 4.0 and use digitisation to improve our manufacturing processes. And then from there we bring all our people together, so all the software engineers or their IT people, and then we start to learn and join together all that knowledge and experience so that we can shortcut any pitfalls and start to create something really cool for all of us to work with. Because there's no perfect solution in the market in this space, so it's up to us to create things. And that's where the digital jobs has come in really well, is just helping us then integrate the knowledge and build some of our own systems and collaborate with others and draw on each other's knowledge. So we hear a lot about Industry 4.0, but it's, sometimes I feel like it's a bit of a buzzword. What are you doing in this space and, and how are you leveraging it? So Industry 4.0 for us is really tracking our machinery productivity. It's getting access to all the really important parts in our ERP systems, so dragging out the data that is actually meaningful for production management and for our people on the floor. And we also, using the Internet of Things and technology to collaborate, we created for ourselves a kiosk that we placed at every single work centre, which allowed our people to collaborate so they could do video conferencing on the work centre. There's a factory dashboard, they can put in a purchasing wish list, so then that goes through the ERP system, production management, book transport. We have all training modules within this as well. A really important factor was the fisheye lens that we put in that allowed our team to collaborate between customers or suppliers or even from the work centre. All of this has reduced waste significantly. It's where now paperless factory, so the whole circularity part of it's really important for us. And we created it and so the kiosk itself was what made the biggest difference because the large format kiosk rather than the smaller format iPads and things like that which we've used before, they weren't working, they were getting lost, damaged, not enough information. As soon as we went large format, change management was easy. Yeah. Everyone loved it. They felt empowered. They felt valued. And what ended up happening is then when people started coming through our facility and seeing what we had, they all started wanting it. So we've commercialised it. So that's now available for other manufacturers. Working smarter is going to give us that competitive edge here in Australia. Yeah, I could see how particularly on the factory floor, trying to stand a team around an iPad and describe what's going on day to day just doesn't make a whole bunch of sense. Something like this with the team standing around looking at what are the targets for the day, or you're on the fabrication floor and you're like, right, well, I need the drawings to come up for this, what am I looking at? Yep. Far more practical than trying to go and look at a laptop or a, sit around an iPad, right? Absolutely. Provide them with the information they need and they can give you that real-time information straight back. So that whole digital journey is really critical to that empowerment. Industry 4.0 is digitization. Industry 5.0 is personalization of digital. This is part of that people engagement process and the transition into Industry 5.0, which is important for Australian manufacturers. Eric, that sounds pretty influential and fantastic. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Jackie, thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Tech Australia. Pleasure. Thanks for having me, Paul. No, thank you. So Jackie's here with the Australia Made campaign. Um, can you, what can you tell us about the Australia Made campaign here? That we are the third party certified trademark of genuinely Australian made products. It is governed by the ACCC and it's all about the substantial transformation of components that consumers can rely upon. They're obviously built to standards. It's about making jobs in Australia and reinvesting back into the economy that as I say, people can rely upon whether you're a business or a consumer when you see the trademark that's genuinely Australian made.
Yeah, and I guess the Aussie brand now is really gaining some traction. It feels that people now really look to Australia for high quality, really good stuff manufactured here, exported all over the world. So what businesses that want to get involved and get their products labelled up with the Australian made logo? What do they do? They just get in touch? or Yeah, definitely. So we have an online registration process. We have a compliance team that obviously are available in terms of questions, but generally it's a simple process of applying online and providing some information about your business and your manufacturing or your product process. Okay, great. Thanks for joining us. That's podcast. okay. I really appreciate it. Pleasure. Cheers. All right, Shane. So that's a wrap for AMW. 2023. So I think some of the trends we've seen today, a lot of enthusiasm around reshoring, manufacturing in Australia. We've seen some great manufacturers, some great local capability. What are some of your key takeaways, Shane? I think there seems to be a real sentiment around reshoring, made in Australia, the opportunity that creates for jobs. There's a lot more optimism around supply chain of components and whatnot. But I think a lot of the, particularly when we're in the Electronics Expo next door, even utilising technologies from overseas to enable sovereign manufacturing, I think is a really interesting sort of next level. And I think there's a lot of excitement around, particularly the Australian Made campaign and the organisations that are getting on board with that to say, we're here, we exist, we can produce products that are safer, that are onshore so you can get access to them quicker. And we have issues around the ongoing maintenance and support of that stuff. So I think, yeah, that, that's a really interesting perspective coming out of some pretty turbulent times. Yeah, absolutely. I think the other key for me is the collaboration. We're seeing businesses work together. Yeah. We're seeing organisations get together and bring businesses in and really try and build that ecosystem around local capability, local manufacturing, local design, and bringing all that together and working together a lot more than we've seen in the past, I think. Yeah, and for three solid days, including the Electronics Expo next door, I'm absolutely stuffed. Hope you've enjoyed the episode. Hope you haven't got too upset about our ramblings and the background noise. Hope to catch you on the next episode. That's a wrap. Catch you later. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to Manufacturing Tech Australia with Shane and Paul. Recorded on the traditional lands of the Bunurong and Wurundjeri people. For more information, jump on the manufacturingtech.au website. Remember to hit the follow button to join us again next time as we continue to explore the intersection of manufacturing and technology.